which I, I thought, what's a topic that we can all sort of relate to? And I talked about, you know, our jobs and our work. And then I asked a question when I finished, and I sort of opened it up for people to answer. And the very first person that spoke said, well, actually, um, I don't really know how any of that connected with me because I'm retired. And I thought, I totally missed a large number of men in this room. Because I was only thinking of a job, 9 to 5 or 5 to 9 or whatever your shift might be. I was only thinking of a job. I wasn't thinking of a bigger picture of how we fit into the world, especially when we don't fit the norm. And so what I want to do is today is not speak about your job. I want to speak about work and what's the difference. Well, let's just bring up the next slide here. What I want to try to do is I want to speak to you whether you're a full-time worker, a part-time worker, you're an unpaid worker. Uh, some of you might be in the home or you might be simply volunteering or whatever you do, you're not actually getting paid for that, but you work at it. I want to speak to you if you are unemployed. I want to speak to you if you're retired or if you're a student and you have no idea when you'll ever work or earn money. You've got this giant student loan that's building. <laughs> I want to speak to you whatever your situation is. There could be other things that are, should be on the list and aren't. But I want to try to imagine for us how we work regardless of that situation, whatever the job status thing is for us. I want to talk about how work relates to our faith. And one of the things we need to understand is I'm not talking about a job, I'm talking about work. And here's the Oxford definition for work. Activity involving mental or physical effort done in order to achieve a purpose or result. So this is something you do to get something done. Right? It's that simple. It's something you do to get something done. And that can be something you get paid for, or it can be something you volunteer for, it can be something you do just that barely anyone even knows about. But it's an activity that you engage in. So let's talk about work. Not your career, not your job, but work. The things you are doing to get things done. And we want to have that bigger sort of frame of reference for this conversation. Let's go to the next uh, slide here. And this is a great quote from Timothy Keller in his book, Every Good Endeavor. I'm going to use two quotes from him today from this book. He says this, Work is as much a basic human need as food, beauty, rest, friendship, prayer, and sexuality. It's not simply medicine, but food for our soul. Without meaningful work, we sense significant inner loss and emptiness. People who are cut off from work because of physical or other reasons quickly discover how much they need work to thrive emotionally, physically, and spiritually. So here what, what he's suggesting to us is that work is a need that we have. We actually need to work. We need to do something that's meaningful. And if you've ever been in a job that wasn't meaningful for you, then you know how much drudgery and how much of a burden that can be. Or if you've ever had a situation where your job suddenly came to an end, you know it's not just a financial question that starts to go through your mind. It's a question about who am I? What's my value? What's my worth? We start to have all these other questions to go through. Now, in my life, there have been a couple of points where I was underemployed or unemployed or even on a leave of absence from work. 
And during those times, I know that I had all kinds of questions myself about my sense of identity, who I was anymore without those things. I graduated from university with a degree in communications uh, and uh, youth leadership sort of training that I'd done as well. And the moment that I graduated, I was... I did very well in school. I was the valedictorian at my university. I was all kinds of things that, you know, would look good on a resume. And I went out and tried to get a summer job. And I couldn't get one anywhere. And there was this sense of, like, all this value that I'd built up, all this esteem that I had. I couldn't find a simple job. I ended up eventually finding a job at a call center. Uh, which was a really interesting experience, or all kinds of ways, um, uh, for UPS, of all places, uh, United Parcel Service. And uh, so I was just helping arrange pickups when people would call in. Uh, I have all kinds of stories from that time. I had a friend that worked there as well. In fact, he got me the job. Um, but, you know, the, the period that I went through where I didn't have work and needed it, was a very um, uh, difficult time to process internally. At other points in my life, uh, when I've had to take a leave of absence from work, uh, there's these questions that go through. If, if I'm not working, am I of any value to the community, to my church, uh, to my family? If I can't pay the bills? And, and if you've ever been in a situation like that where you suddenly had a loss of income or a loss of just the activity itself, you don't know suddenly what to do with yourself. It can be disorienting. So maybe you can relate to this sense of what Tim Keller is describing when he says that work is a need. We need to do something. We need to have a sense of meaning to it. We need to, you know, one job that I had when I was going through, um, I graduated seminary and I had that job at the call center. Well, the next fall I was in Vancouver for school and while I was there, I was uh, extremely poor, shall we say. I, was, I had a roof over my head, but I had no money in my pocket. And uh, I took a job at something called 1-800-GOT-JUNK. And so I was uh, hauling garbage all kinds of places out of dark alleys and, and different corners of Vancouver, going to people's houses sometime or going to businesses, hauling uh, garbage to the dump. In fact, I remember at one time, I was working with a partner in the truck, and I remember going to the Vancouver Dump, which is a really interesting place. Um, not a place I want to spend a lot of time. And uh, I remember having the thought go through my head, because this is the kind of place it was, where, where I, I looked around and I thought, someone could kill me and put me in this dump and no one would ever know. <laughs> and that's the kind of experience it was, if you know what I mean. And that work was not meaningful to me in any way whatsoever. All I was there for was the cash at the end of the day. And I was glad that I made it to the end of the day after I left the Vancouver dump. Some of you have had that experience where there is work to be done, but it's not work that is meaningful for you. Maybe you're underemployed. You know, you have the ability to do so much more, the capacity for more. You want to work. You have the ability to work, but you, you can't. You're not, you don't have given the opportunity. And so when we don't have an activity that's meaningful, we feel it, and it impacts so much of our lives. But there's a problem so often. Because it's a need that we have to work, 
Because there's a need to do something meaningful, to accomplish something, to bring about a result in the world. Sometimes the way that we begin to see work when we have it, or don't, is actually quite idolatrous. And we look to work to give us a sense of value for ourselves. If I don't have a good job, then I'm not valuable anymore. I'm not worthwhile anymore. Or if I'm not doing something that's seen as prestigious or valuable to the community, well then it begins to seem like I'm not valuable to people around me or I'm not worthwhile or the things I'm doing aren't meaningful. And we can begin to place upon work the things that only God can do because we look to work to save us, to give us status, to give us meaning and value in the world. We begin to think, I've had times in my life where when I was unemployed or on a break, I started to think about what are the opportunities I have to make some money And it became, a a job became, in a sense, my savior. It was the thing I was looking to, to take care of me, to provide for me. And if I could just get a job, if I could just convince this person to hire me, then I would be okay. And if I'm honest, in those moments, I was looking to work to be my savior, ultimately, in an ultimate sense. And that gets us into a difficult place. Because work can never fill that need, the deeper need that's behind the need. Yes, we have a a deep need to work, to make meaning, to have activity that is meaningful, but we also behind that have this deeper need of belonging in the world and having that need met, of being loved. And if we look to our work to accomplish that deepest need, then it gets us into trouble. So here's now... Uh, a, a new idea for us, a new proposition I want to leave us with. Go to the next slide here. Uh, yeah, well, let's, let's look at this first. It summarizes what I've just been talking about. Ecclesiastes 2 kind of describes this meaningless type of work. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. So what do people get in this life for all their hard work and anxiety? Their days of labor are filled with pain and grief. Even at night, their minds cannot rest. It is all meaningless. Maybe you've had that sense of the work that you do, the things you accomplish, and it's all meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. Where are you really going with this? What does it really get you at the end of the day? Even if you enjoy working hard, you can look on it all and say, yeah, but at the end of the day, what's it all worth? And if you relate to that at all, then this next idea will be one that I hope gives you some comfort. And that's on the next slide. It's that Jesus saves us from work. See, when we look to work to give us that ultimate sense of meaning and value, we're looking to something that can never really do it because jobs go away. Work is unfulfilling. You have an injury and you can't do it. There's all kinds of reasons why work will fail us and can never meet the ultimate need that we have. But Jesus saves us from work to say that your value is not determined by the position you hold at that company. Your value is not determined by how large you can grow your business. Your value isn't even determined by how many people you're able to employ or how many jobs you've had or what the paycheck is. Your value isn't determined by those things. And when 
you look to Jesus, you see He saves you from that treadmill. He saves you from that hamster wheel. Because that's unending and it'll never be satisfied, never will ever meet that deep need within you. Jesus saves you from that and He looks at you and says, you are value because I made you. Whatever you earn, whatever you do, I love you. I care about you. You have value as a human being. And now we don't have to work to earn that anymore. We look to Jesus. We look to His words. We look to the cross where He says with all clarity for us, you are valuable and I died even. And we see that work can't meet that need, but Jesus offers us salvation from it. And Jesus saves us from work. I think about, in the story of the Bible, I think about um, the, the people of God, the Israelites, who lived in Egypt, and they were enslaved by the Egyptians eventually. And they just had to make bricks day after day after day. And they were beaten. They were slaves. They were beaten to accomplish that task. You know, we, we have that kind of imagery over much of our work in our world. You know, my boss is a real slave driver, right? And it's like just working, slogging away sometimes. But God rescued them from their work, from their slavery, and released them into the promised land. But was that the end of the story? Well, no, it wasn't. Jesus saves us from our work. God saved the people of Israel from their work. There's enslavement to it. But saved them for something else. And now this next slide will probably surprise you after what I've just said, that Jesus saves us from work. The next slide says Jesus saves us for work. And the whole reason for that, we can go to that slide, the whole reason for that is that we've got it backwards so much. We're looking for work to do something that uh, makes us connected, involved, to have a sense of worth. But instead, what we should see is that we get, begin from a place where we are welcomed, we are accepted, we are loved, we are valued. When we begin from that place, now we can do something. Jesus saves us from trying to earn acceptance and love and worth and value. Jesus saves us from that and instead loves us first. But he saves us into a life that is meaningful. Where work is meaningful. He saves us for work. Now, uh, let me take you just to one verse that gives a little bit of a sense of this about salvation and work and what Jesus is up to. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he's planned for us long ago. So uh, other translations, the one I memorized as a, as a kid at Awana, it said um, that, that it wasn't for work. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. You can't earn it. In other words, all the work in the world that you do isn't going to save you. All the work in the world you do isn't going to save you. It's a gift. It's already been done. 
And when Jesus saves you from that, from trying to work to be saved, from trying to work to earn your favor, your worth, when you are saved from that, instead what he does, he works, he values you, he, he blesses you, he honors you, he dignifies you, so that you can then work. You can do the good things he's planned for us long ago. So what we are, are not saying is that work is bad. What we're saying is that work is good, but it needs to be properly aligned with how we live as human beings. Because if it's not, it can break us very quickly. And so how do we look at work as meaningful? How do we understand what it's all about from God's perspective? How do we see it as a gift that we are entrusted with? Let's go to the next slide here. We're going to look at the meaning of work, and let's go on. We're going all the way back to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1, where we see God creating everything, well, everything in the universe. God goes through, you know, six days of creation, and as he gets to day six, this is what we read. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. And then over in chapter 2, verse 15, we read, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Now we're seeing several things throughout the first chapter of Genesis. I don't know if you've ever thought about it in this way. We're seeing God make and do and work. He's involved in activity to produce a result. He is creating light, darkness, land, sea, animals, humans. God is at work, which tells us something about work, doesn't it? If God works, then work is good. And if God works, and we're made in God's image to be like God, then it's good when we work. Work is good. Now, this is already a twist for some of us. Work is good. And when we work, we are like God. Now, there's also something else we see through the creation stories. What we see is that God works for six days, and then on the seventh day, God rests. Why do you think God rested on the seventh day? Did God get tired? No, really. Why did God rest on the seventh day? Was it because he got tired? What kind of God would God be if he got tired on the seventh day and needed a break? What God is showing for us in the story that we read from our origins, God is showing us that work is an activity that God is involved in, and we can be too, but work doesn't fully define us. The activity is meaningful, the activity is good, but we don't need to do the thing in order to be. And can you imagine what it would have been like for those first followers of God in the, the tribe of Israel to have heard this story after having been rescued from slavery? To hear that they didn't have to work seven days a week, but to be told that the God who rescued them, the God who loves them, works for six days, and then takes a break. Because his identity is not just in his work. 
He's still God on day seven. He has six days where he is active and one day where he bees. Is? Exists? What's the verb form that I should use here, Russell? <laughs> is? So he has six days to do, one day to be. That's a better way to put it. I'll remember that for next time. There's no next time. <laughs> six days to do, one day to be. Our identity is not wrapped up in our work. Work is an important thing for us, but it's not who we are. So what God shows us here in the story of creation as he forms the world and the universe is that there's a pattern for us to recognize and to remember. We are not defined by what we do. Our value doesn't come from our doing. Although it can be meaningful and it can be good, it is not the sum total of who we are meant to be because God created us in God's image. And God took a break on day seven. Work isn't meant to define us. It's a part of what we do, but it's not who we are. So what we see here in these beginning pages of the Bible, the, the first beginning words about who we are as people, who we're meant to be as humans, is that we are meant to work because God worked and it was good. But also that we are meant to be, and to receive, and to be loved, and to have dignity. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female. He created them, and then God blessed them and said, here's your job assignment, here's your task, here's your job description, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. That's work to do. He takes the man, and later the, the woman is formed, puts them in the Garden of Eden, Eden to work it and take care of it. We were given the responsibility of working the world and making something beautiful. In fact, what we are, we are meant to do is to continue the activity of God. God has been creating and forming and taking things that are uh, formless and void, and he's been giving it form and filling it. He's been taking things that are wild and wasted, and he's been giving them meaning and life and shape and definition. And we are meant to be like God, to continue that work. God doesn't say, well, there the work is done. The world is made and it's perfect and don't touch it. Don't break anything. Leave it exactly like it is. That's not what God does. What God says is, here is this beautiful world that I've created. Now go do something with it. Make it even more beautiful. Take the world that I have created that is good as it is, that is a starting point, and do something even more. Go into the parts of your world that are without definition, without shape, that are disorganized, and organize them into something that is meaningful. Take the things that are ugly or just wild or wasted, shape them into something beautiful. Take the things that seem just to be at a loss, that there's a gap, there's something missing, and make something there. Produce something out of all the world to make it good and beautiful, just like God did. We are meant to continue the work of creation that God started and to work alongside of God. We are meant to be like God in every way. Yes, to do the same activity, but to do it in a way that fills the world with beauty, that cares for the people around us, that is meaningful and good and produces something great. 
Work is something that we do because it is good, because it is godly. Work is something that we do to continue the work of God in the world around us. And just about every job can be seen as a part of that same work, no matter big or small. Just about every job can be seen as part of that same work that God started. Now there's some work that is inherently degrading to human beings, to one another, to ourselves. We don't need to try to come up with that list. But there is so much in this world, whether it's sweeping a floor, whether it's raising a child, whether it's cleaning a bedpan, whether it's building something, driving a nail, fixing something that was broken, mending, repairing, keeping the lights on, whatever it might be, each of those things can take something that is wild and wasted and make it beautiful, or that is without shape and form and bring it into organization and beauty. Each of us can find whatever we do as part of the work of God in creating beauty within the world. Let's go on to the next slide here. I want to simply ask you, how does your work image God? Now, this might be your job, but it might not be. It might be the thing that you volunteer for, and on the weekends, this is what you do. And you work 9 to 5, you enjoy that, that's cool, but this is really the thing what you do. Or it might be the job that you have, or it might be the thing you do in your home. How does the work, the activity that you involve yourself in, image God? How does it look like God at work in the world? How does it bring about the kinds of things that God was bringing about in those first moments of creation? How is it bringing life to something, organization to something, beauty to something, meaning to something, getting something done, making something possible, making something out of nothing? What is the activity you do, and how does it somehow reflect, or not reflect, the image of God, who God is? Think upon that. Think upon what it is that you do and how it reflects or doesn't reflect God at work in the world. So there's this idea that we sometimes have that certain jobs are more meaningful than others. You saw that in the video. It was represented a little bit. When I was younger, there was um, this song that I heard, and it's, I, I've later come to learn it's, it's a poem. And I, I took it to mean something it didn't mean. Maybe you heard it as well. Uh, I think C.T. Studs was his name. Uh, and it goes like this. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Which means something good. It means that there's a lot of things we can do in the world that aren't really worthwhile. It means that whenever we do something for Christ, that's what really matters. That's, that's good. But what I took it to mean was, there's a lot of jobs in the world, and none of them are meaningful unless it's a job that you're working for Jesus. It's really what I heard, which is a dangerous idea, that somehow like the job of being a pastor or a missionary or somehow working you know, in the church or working for God in some way that's like really specifically that, that's the best kind of job there is. 
And, and I think you can all recognize that's not true. <laughs> but you can start to see this disconnect when, if you have that kind of frame of reference at all, you can start to see this disconnect between what you do with your job, your work, and your faith. And I had an interesting conversation uh, around my table this week, actually. Uh, some young adults came over for a potluck, and I, I asked them about their work and how they see, uh, see work, and whether or not they see the actual activity itself as somehow connected to their faith. And uh, for a number of them, there was more of a sense that, well, no, whatever I do is fine, but it's more about the relationships that I have at work that somehow represent my faith. You know, I, I'm kind to people, or I show the, the life of Jesus somehow, in that way, which is, is good. But we lack an understanding about how making things in the world as an activity is actually a godly thing. You don't have to just preach like I do, or organize something in the church to be meaningful. Because God was creating the ground that you walk on, the dirt that you sweep off the floor, or vacuum. God was doing all of that work, working at the telephone company, <laughs> producing electronics and batteries, God was doing all of these things to create the electrons in the world so that we could do something with them. How does your work image God? Let's go to the next slide, and this is the closing. Did the last quote? Yeah, there we go. We are called to stand in for God here in the world. Exercising stewardship over the rest of creation in his place as his vice regents. We share in doing the things that God has done in creation, bringing order out of chaos, creatively building a civilization out of the material of physical and human nature, caring for all that God has made. This is a major part of what we were created to be. Work has dignity because it is something that God does, because we do it in God's place as his representatives. That last line alone, really, is it says a lot. Work has dignity because it's something God does, and because we do it in God's place as his representatives. You know, if, you're a, if you're a nurse, you're caring for people. You're, you're bringing about the renewal of all things, the renewal of the human body, just as God does. If you're involved in uh, building a business, well, you're taking something that didn't exist and making it into something, just as God did. Whatever it is that you are doing, you are involved in the world, creating things, doing things, making things, just as God does. And we do it here in the world, representing the kind of life who God is as well. So let me just end, end it with this, this final verse from Colossians. Can we bring that up? Do we not have that? There we go. Colossians 3.17 and then also 23. Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. That's the language of image of God. That's what we were designed for, created for. That's what we read in the first pages of the Bible. We were designed and created to represent God in the world, to be his image, to do the kind of activity that God does, 
but also to look like the character of God. And so whatever you do or say, do it as a representative, as the image of God. Whatever you do or say. And then a few verses later, uh, Paul, who's writing the Colossians here, Paul uh, says to them, I know some of you are slaves. You can almost think back to the people of Israel that we looked at enslaved in Egypt for a moment, although it's a different scenario, but you can look to that kind of slavery as work, work as slavery kind of mindset. And Paul says to that person, you are enslaved, but let me tell you how you deal with that situation. Not that he's saying slavery is okay, but he says, here you as a slave get through that. He says, work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. And that's how we do our jobs. That's how we do our work in a way that's really meaningful. We look at who God is, and we look at what God does, and we say, I'm a small part of that same story. Whatever I do, whatever I say, whatever my activity, it's going to somehow represent God in this world to accomplish the tasks that God set into motion in the very beginning moment. And I'm going to work hard to try to connect what I'm doing with God's activity. I'm going to work hard to think about the people that I see as being made in the image of God and loving them, caring for them the way that God cares for them. I'm going to work hard at seeing myself producing meaning and goodness in the world, just as God did. And that is going to be our greatest work. To know that we are loved, we are valued, we have dignity, because we were made in God's image. And out of that to produce something good and beautiful in the world. When you come with that frame of mind, whether it feels like drudgery and a burden and slavery even, when you come into your work with that mindset, it begins to transform your experience and you even. Because God uses that work to make us like himself. So my prayer, my hope for you is that you would begin to see your work, whether it's a paid job or not, whatever that activity might be, to see that as a means by which you can participate in the life of God and his activity in the world. And to grow yourself to be more like him. To bear witness to him in the way that you are and the things that you do. So whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Do it as a way to show people what God looks like in the world. Work with enthusiasm, as though everything you were doing was done to honor the Lord. Work with enthusiasm, enthusiasm, as though everything you were doing honored the people that God created and made, and you love God through loving those people. So I pray that you would take the gift of work that God has entrusted to you and see it as something to be stewarded and used for his glory. When we do that, it's just an amazing thing. And I've seen some of you uh, have that perspective on your work. And it's a beautiful thing to behold. So I pray that for all of you. Let's close in a word of prayer. Jesus, thank you that you save us from the burden and brokenness of trying to work to earn our salvation. And you rescue us out of that to be loved people with dignity, whole and holistically thinking about the world. And you save us to bring about that wholeness and restoration of all broken things in the world 
joining you in that work as well. So Jesus, help us to see the meaning behind this, to see you at work in the world, to see what it is you are doing and how you are so that we can be like you and show the world what it looks like to be in relationship with you. God, we thank you for your goodness shown in so many ways. May we be the hands and feet that represent you well in the world. In your name we pray. Amen.